Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Beef State. It is Thursday, January 12th here in beautiful Lincoln, Nebraska. It is scenic. It is ice cold as usual. Uh, we appreciate y'all for tuning in. Uh, obviously very new to the channel. Uh, hit that subscribe button. It helps us out a lot. Uh, this is kind of an offshoot. I don't know if I'd call it that. Separate show from our main show, which is the Flyover Show, yep. uh, which is presented It's up that way. Uh, so we're just getting started with this whole thing. Uh, we're learning a lot. We're really enjoying the ride. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button if you would. It helps us out immensely. Uh, like I said, January 12th, a lot has happened in the past week. We had a national championship game. Uh, we did a watch along on the flyover show. If you want to go ahead and check that out, I would not recommend it. Uh, got pretty rough pretty quickly. Didn't have anything planned for the halftime. Basically, probably should have just kept playing video games because it was that bad in the second half. Uh, we'll talk about the college football national championship. Congratulations to Georgia going back to back. Uh, one of the only teams in college football history to do so. Uh, talk about Kevin Warren. Obviously, the son of a bitch is gone. Uh, we'll talk about some transfers. I think Scotty's going to throw in a little bit about some high school commits that we got. Uh, first of all, Scott, how you doing? How's your Thursday in Lincoln, Nebraska doing? Doing good. Doing good. It's been pretty nice recently. I Have we gone away from the meat-themed nicknames already? Oh, sorry. Sirloin Scotty. Sirloin Scotty. Scott, Scotty Sirloin and, and Joey Juices. Okay. I don't know how. See, that's why. Right there. I got tagged like with Joey Juices somehow, which is fair because I couldn't think of anything on the spot, and he just came up with Scotty Sirloin on the spot. Allegedly, he might have been thinking mm -hmm. about that for a little bit, but yeah, I'm still lacking. I'm, Sirloin Scotty was pretty tomahawk Scotty. I don't know. They're all pretty good. He came he came in like that red hot, and I appreciate that. That's the kind of stuff we, we're looking for here. Um, but just what do you want to start with, Joe? Let's start with the national championship game because it's fresh on the mind. Yeah. Um, okay. It was disgusting. It was an absolute ass kicking. Yeah, uh, we're not going to go too much into it because there's really not much to talk about. Uh, kind of interesting on how it was such of an ass kicking. It was the biggest blowout in, they said, in bowl game history. I don't think national championship is technically a bowl game. So I think technically not. But let's say like postseason game, not, you know, conference championship. It was what, 63, fifth, 63 to 7? 65 to 7. 65 to 7. It was disgusting. Yeah, they made them look they made them look like an FCS team. And I think what it really does is it further proves the separation of the SEC from the Big 12 from the ACC from the Pac-12, right? Yeah, this was a terrible is night. This... It was a terrible night for I mean, the Big 10 ended up looking very good because of Ohio State's uh mm -hmm. game against Georgia, which they easily could have won if that field goal goes in. Uh did it without you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. I think the Big yep. Ten comes out looking pretty good. That terrible night for the Big 12. Horrible night. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They, because, yeah. Not only, so this was, this was the team they put into the playoffs, but also on top of that, their conference champion got shelled by Alabama mm -hmm. by four or five touchdowns. Yeah. So, yeah, Big 12 not looking great. And, oh, yeah, on top of that, you're losing Texas and Oklahoma. So, yeah. Yeah. You're like two marquee programs. Um, so the, where this interests us, I think, as Nebraska fans, and as a lot of this applies to a lot of places, uh, mm -hmm. this I think this kind of raises the TCU season as a whole, not that game, obviously, because it's still an mm -hmm. incredibly successful season. You make the national championship game, go yep. from five and seven to 13 and two under a first year head coach. Uh, I don't think anything like that's ever really happened before. 
Uh, only a couple teams have ever made the national championship after being unranked coming into the season. They were picked seventh to win the Big 12. Really spectacular season. And you have well, larger. I, I do have to say, Scott Frost won a national championship in his second year. Well, second year. <laughs> yeah. They went first undefeated, year, right? Yeah. And yeah, congrats to Sonny Dykes. I'm, uh, incredible, right? Uh-huh. But part of you wonders, seeing how, you know, how separated they were from Georgia, how much better Georgia was. This is, this is both their teams at their best. Um, both got an exorbitant amount of, amount of time to prepare for each other. And it's like, okay, Georgia's, Georgia could have scored whenever they wanted. Um, damn, I forgot where I was going. Man, their backups, their backups were just flooring them too. Right, true. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, Georgia had been practicing against their scout team defense, which is probably better than TCU's real defense, right? Yeah, I will say there, I think that there was something going on. Like sometimes, you know, a team just doesn't show up. Like I do think that was Mm -hmm. a really horrible performance by TCU. I don't think they, a hundred times out of a hundred, maybe they win like one if like Georgia comes out really flat. I think that was like the worst game they could possibly play, but there was still an insanely, insanely large difference between those teams. And there's really no question. You you wonder how many out of a hundred they win against Michigan, right? That was a super close game and they needed two defensive touchdowns to get there. Yeah. Yeah. That was a wild game. I mean, they still won it Mm -hmm. fair and square. And I mean, they definitely kept up with the physicality, which is a problem, but clearly Georgia's speed was Mm -hmm. too much for them. But well, when you add, yeah, when you can match the speed with an extra 30 pounds, that's tough. That is very tough. Just across the board. That's what we were watching. Like every time we were looking, like literally every counterpart on TCU looked like they were 25 pounds lighter. Probably were. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I had to grab an item. I mean, that's okay. I really um, had a good point cooking there in my head that I totally forgot about it. I'll blame it on the CTE. Yeah, it's not his fault. But this does kind of, maybe not forever, but for the next like five years, people are going to say, hey, Sonny Dykes took his team to a national championship in the first year. I mean, they got absolutely clobbered in that, but people are going to say, hey, expectations might be a little bit different here. Cause that's, and also it's TCU. Like this wasn't, you know, like Texas or a yeah. team like that with a huge right. name. So you're going to ha- you're going to be hearing that a lot from a lot of programs, a lot of fans when they don't see success from a guy in just the first year, I think. Yeah, I don't think it's a good faith argument. Right. Because um, mm-hmm. I think now looking at it, right, like. They were good and Sonny Dykes has done like a plus job. I don't want to take anything away, but there's sort of an element of like. Uh, what's that movie with the. Uh, the the guy who goes on Indian who wants to be a millionaire slumdog millionaire there's oh, like yeah. a slumdog millionaire factor to a lot of their wins this year right how many mm-hmm. one score wins did they pull out of their butts all of them against not great competition right yeah. like the Big Twelve got killed in bowl season yeah so obviously they don't stack up to the other conferences and every single game they played in was incredibly close and it, you know their game against Baylor who finished like six and seven like probably Baylor should have won that game. The game they, against Kansas, they had to come out with the clock and ticking and kick that field goal. It's just seconds yeah, remaining. Kansas yeah. probably should have won that game. A lot of and that. This year. Six and seven. It, 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 they couldn't, they never blew anybody out against a lot of mediocre competition. 
in mm-hmm. the Big 12. So, you know, were they good? Yes. Were they as good as their peers? Yes. Uh, better than their peers, maybe. But I don't think they were a playoff caliber team. And I think they probably got pretty lucky against Michigan. I think there's still a caliber team. I still think they earned it. Um, I get what you're saying, and I agree with a lot of it. Yeah. Um, if you played this season, if you played this season a hundred times, how many times do they end up in the playoffs? Less than five is what I'm saying. Okay. I think but that's this was like as good, like you know what I mean, like high in the sky. The, the team everything is goes as right. Good as it is, right? The team is as good as it is, and you can run that back. And I don't think they would win. 10, 11 games, you know, I think they're probably closer to like a nine win team. Yeah. But, and then you also do have to take into account that is kind of just football though. Like every team yeah, has, true. I remember, I remember, remember earlier Absolutely. in the year, Georgia was still winning all their games, obviously, but people were saying like, you know, this is not nearly as good as the Georgia team last year. They should have pitched sets and Bennett. They lost all these guys to yeah. the league, which is all, you know, yeah. said by a I lot of people, but that Missouri game mm-hmm. specifically, but yeah, I mean, they were part of that comes with your replacing a, bit, a whole NFL defense, right? They had 11 guys off their defense get drafted. They had 15 guys total. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and five in the first round. So you're replacing a ton and you're going to get better as the season goes along, which mm-hmm. Georgia obviously did. And man, could, I mean, yikes. What, what are they going to do now that now that they're going to completely turn on the recruiting machine, they are the dynasty in college football. Look how out. about buddy? How about buddy saying that right to Nick Saban's face? He said he didn't even think about it, but I mean he's totally right. Yeah. I mean Nick Saban being yeah. on the broadcast booth is really weird, just in itself. He every time he's not in there, he's on the broadcast booth. They must pay him quite a bit. There is there's just so much connection. That's just such a connection business. Like the second mm-hmm. Urban got fired from Jacksonville, he was on the big noon kickoff like instantly. And he yeah. was, and I mean, he's, Nick Saban was not like in disgrace or anything. He just wasn't in the national championship game. And I, I, I do have yeah. to say, well, I'm impressed with Nick Saban getting his guys fired up to play that K-State game. Because notoriously, if Alabama's not in yeah, the national championship true. game, guys Very fucking true. bounce. He had them ready to go. Very true. And uh, I think I will say credit to Urban. I think Urban was better on TV this past year than Nick Saban is on TV. It's not like Nick Saban's that good. It just adds an, an air of prestige. Yeah. Seeing like, oh, holy cow, there's Nick Saban. Um, seeing him next to Pat McAfee was really funny. That he, was hilarious. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, how long how long does Nick have left? He's 71. Belichick's 71 too, right? That's NFL though. I don't yeah, know. Bill, Belichick, Belichick's NFL, basically a college off. coach though because he's also the GM player development he's like the whole yeah 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 that's true you just don't have to recruit though recruiting is what sucks the life out of you i think yeah i mean saban's gonna be going for a long time i don't think he's retiring anytime soon i think he's he got seems with it right he still seems with it so i think he could coach as long as he stays healthy and he's like doesn't have to i think he's got another 10 years over under how many more national championships is nick saban win? uh i'll put it at 0.5 0.5 you can put it at point five. Yeah. Give me one and a half. Mm. You got one and a half. I'll go way under that. Mm. I think he doesn't win anymore. You don't think he wins anymore? So you're going under a half? No. You're going yep. under a half? Can I just be a bitch and say mm-hmm. over a half? Yeah. Okay. Sweet. So you think he, he wins one more? I think that's when he retires. He wins one more. But I mean, geez, is he ever going to beat Georgia? 
Yeah, I mean, it he beat Georgia like last. He beat like Tennessee, they didn't Tennessee play this year. Up to him. They didn't play this no. year. They've played once in the regular season in the last fifteen years. Jesus, that's hey, that's SEC scheduling though, baby. That's SEC scheduling, right? Last so yeah, last year play, he beat them. Play one, they played twice last year in the SEC championship and the national championship. Beat him in the SEC championship. Yep. Lost in right. the yeah. Yep. Well, time will tell. All right, uh, let's talk. Let's talk transfers. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Nebraska currently ranks 23rd on 24-7 in transfer ranking specifically. Uh, I'm 99% sure of that. Uh, I was kind of clicking around the website, and I'm pretty sure that was a ranking. It, 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 I kept getting the 7th ranking. I think that was last year. Uh, a couple this week, Walter Rouse, a tackle from nope. Stanford. What? Oh, yeah. No, I was, uh, yep. Stanford transfer Walter Rouse uh, chose Nebraska over Iowa and Oklahoma. All the schools checked the boxes. Rouse felt more connected to the staff at Nebraska and coach Matt Rule's plan. Uh, obviously, Stanford tackle coming in, going to be an immediate starter. Um, but kind of the question is, where is that going to be, Scott? Yeah, so he started all four years at Stanford at left tackle. And Stanford you know, is a really good offensive line school. They recruit offensive line very well. They put offensive linemen in the NFL and he played the premier position on that, on that offensive line. Now he certainly had a few struggles there, but you know, starting all four years at Stanford coming into what is probably the biggest position of need at Nebraska is Mm -hmm. at tackle. I mean, I don't know. Can you think of a position that we need someone more than tackle? Um, I think. No. Certainly not one that fans want more. Right. So whether he plays left tackle or right, I I think I would probably put him at left tackle because that's where he's experienced. And then you can keep Teddy on the right side and then let him work into the left tackle by the end of his career because Teddy's a really, really good run blocker. Yeah. Um, Shout out Teddy Perhotchka. Hopefully he can stay healthy. I don't know if he was super healthy coming into this year. I don't think he was healthy in fall camp. And he's a huge motherfucker too, right? He's like six, eight huge. Yeah. He's like six, eight, three, 15. I think he's like a creative character. He can still be growing too. Maybe not at this point, but like like over the past few years, flat stomach too. Like you look at him out there. He looks like, like Gronk. If you put Gronk through like a, a, like looks like Gronk. If Gronk took like extra steroids, like pack a punched Gronk. Yeah, like if Gronk took steroids at like 14 years old. <laughs> I think Prohaska might enormous. still be growing. Like that's the thing. Maybe it, it, maybe he's done now, but like he's still I think he's still filling in. Like when you get that yeah. height, it's insane. So at that he, age. Hopefully I mean, he gets healthy Prohaska, and gets back soon. Yeah. And I think I think the Rouse edition is also huge because of what it means for the rest of your offensive line. Right. So it means with a healthy Prochka and Rouse added, whether we're whether or not one of the, whoever's playing left or right tackle means Corcoran can probably slot into his real true spot, which he hasn't been able to yet, which is at guard. Mm-hmm. So Corcoran had to play right and left tackle all of last year, which isn't probably where he projects to, you know, really good athlete, just not. Yeah. He's got arms. some strays too for that. I think, I think we've had a yeah. few guys over the past few years, catch some strays on that line who are kind of playing out of position. Yeah. Uh, Jurgens yeah. caught a lot from moving to center like a week before camp started or whatever. 
Uh, he had, yeah. He, so he missed when Jurgens moved to center, he missed all of spring and all but one week of fall camp. And he had never played center before in his life. And then he started. Yeah. That was the season. All the snaps kept going over. Uh... Yeah. And then, you know, he was our best offensive lineman by the time he, by the end of his third year. So Scott Frost, you know, shout out Scott Frost. He was right for that decision. Maybe you wouldn't have started him that first year, but mm-hmm. Jurgens is a really good center and he would have been our best offensive lineman last year, but um, yeah, so you've got Ben Scott transfer from Arizona state PFF had him as their 17th best center in college football. So, you know, in your head, you have to project him at least around that level, which would be like honorable mention, all big 10, third team, all big 10 area. Mm-hmm. So got your center. Boom. That's good. Noelle coming back off of suspension. Shut up. Can go back, back at guard. And then Corcoran can play right guard. Right guard, left guard, wherever Noelle wants to play. But that's a really good offensive line. This has opinion. been, I would a say, much improved offensive line. I would say PR wise, no one's had a better like two weeks than Dylan Riola uh, or Donovan. Donovan. Donovan yeah, Riola. Because sure. uh, mm-hmm. fans were, and I think Rule knew this, that they were not going to be happy when he was announced that he was coming back. He's the only returning player. But I guess, you know, I forget Oops. which transfer it was. My apologies. Uh, but I guess they were told by a player on campus that like that he had to be retained. Like, I guess players really love him. Obviously the transfers are working out well. Um, Injuries were a factor last year. And I think the injuries were kind of so early that it doesn't, you don't really notice. I think if an injury happens in camp, people don't really think about it. If an injury happens like the first game or two, or like it happens in the third game, you notice it. Hey, injury line was a lot better before this guy gets hurt. If it happens, you know, in camp, no one really notices. It's not as public. Yeah. Losing, yeah, Noelle before the season and then uh well, losing Jurgens to the draft, and then losing Noelle that spring, losing Prohachka. I mean, this could have been a much better offensive line last year. He he was really you were very limited personnel wise, especially on the interior. So I don't know. I I think it was funny. I remember when uh rule got the job that he was talking about how he thought that offensive line would be pretty good. Um, now I understand that he means, you know, when we add two pieces from the transfer portal, it'll be pretty good. But mm. yeah, I mean, two, two, four star transfers coming in guys who are going to start right away. Guys who have really good starting experience at other schools. I mean, that's, this is huge. Walter Rouse probably. Hell yeah. The, the addition of the offseason. Let's of go, dude. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, okay, my apologies. I, I That was a what I said earlier was a quote tweet or tweet. I was quoting somebody's tweet. I totally spaced and forgot to get who it was. My apologies. Uh, see, that's good reporting right there. Uh, another transfer, Billy Kemp, a wide, re- a wide receiver from Virginia, has the 10th yeah. most yards in UVA history. He has one year left mm-hmm. of eligibility. Clearly a smaller guy, more of a slot guy, but a proven commodity that, you know, comes into a position of some uncertainty with the exit of Trey Palmer. Uh, Marcus Washington, pr- presumably going to take a step up in that offense, had four or 500 yards, not bad last year. Obviously, Trey Palmer is going to absorb a lot of that usage. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I think there was a thought that a lot of the wide receivers in that room looked the same. A lot of bigger guys, burners, types, 
Uh, and this is yeah, clearly a lot of X receivers. Yeah, this is clearly an attempt to get a slot better. guy, a smaller guy, mm-hmm. um, that will probably go on and become a uh, New England Patriot at some point. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so Billy Kemp, fourth most yards in Virginia, or the fourth most receptions yeah. in Virginia history. Um, it, I think also should be noted he's a really good returner as well, good punt returner. So yeah. sort of a weapon you could put in a couple different spots. I mm-hmm. think he could play slot receiver. He, I think he projects to a slot receiver. I think he could also play that X spot. Um, sort of depends, really depends how, what, what you want out of this offense, right? How many, how often are we going to see two tight end personnel? Mm-hmm. How depends. often are we going to see no tight end personnel? Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, I think we're going to always have a tight end. I think that's going to be slightly unlike what we had last year. Um, how often are you going to see dual running back personnel? So that's going to limit the type of wide, the number of wide receivers you have on the field. And so it also limits a fullback. what type of wide receiver you want. Yeah. Fullback. Yeah, yeah. Second running back. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is like, if the staff is like, just go get good receivers and then we'll, we'll sort of build our passing game around the personnel we have, or they have an idea where they like to have like a slot guy specifically. Yeah. So I think there's been a clear, at least what rule has said is that they don't want guys who are here for one year. Uh, He will be here for one year, no matter what. So I would presume they expect if a guy comes in with one year left, I think there's a huge expectation that they're going to get some usage. Otherwise you would not bring them in. Did rule say that? When did he say that? Uh, I think it was introductory press conference. It was, it was more of like oh. a general, like um, when we bring in guys, we want them to be here for like, you know, we don't want mercenaries. I, mean, kind of thing. I think I'll just say, I mean, mercenaries have been really effective for Nebraska <laughs> so far. Um, and I think they've been really effective all over college football. So Ray I, Palmer, I mean, I don't remember. Samari Yeah. Yep. Yep. Was, I mean, especially at that wide receiver spot, but I think if you're going to deny those one-year guys uh, after this initial season, I think that's probably a mistake. I think you can get a lot of usage out of those, you know, free agent type guys. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think honestly, I think that's part of the way Nebraska should be branding itself. That's one of the edges we can get in recruiting because we're not where, you know, there's maybe t- 12 D1 guys coming out of the state of Nebraska each year, but you can make yourself the premier like free agent destination. You're the premier one year destination to go on to the NFL. Cause you've got so many guys with NFL experience. Yeah. That can be kind of risky. If that's what you're like banking on though, that gets pretty risky. You're just banking yeah, on. I, I yeah. think, right. You shouldn't bank on it. You shouldn't bank on it. You shouldn't build your roster in anticipation of that. But I mean, think about all the production we've gotten out of these one year transfers. Yeah. I mean, I think that'll continue to, I think if you get a guy where you clearly can tell this guy's going to, you know, you expect this guy to get a thousand yards receiving in one season, you're probably taking him no matter what. I mean, he could, he probably projects to seven fifty. you know? Yeah. There's probably, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if they necessarily expect this guy to be a big play threat, but I think he's a clear, like move the chains kind of guy. That's going to get a lot of usage. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Somebody in Nebraska really hasn't had since Wandale Jordan Wester camp. I guess Wandale I mean, was Wandale would get big plays too, but that's not really how they. Yeah, Wandale was more of an X factor, right? He'd get ten touches a game running back. They, they wished him out. 
Yeah. Miss you, Wanda. We haven't we haven't had I don't think we've had like a reliable slot receiver since Frost has been or since pre Frost. Pre Frost, yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm trying to think. I I could be wrong, but yeah, damn. Okay, uh, did you want to touch on those uh, recruits that was at the All American game? Yeah, yeah. So the Under Armour All American game first commit somebody who had previously committed to Nebraska and then backed off. Uh, Different services have him as a different type of of player. He's sort of like a defensive weapon out of IMG Academy. Cam Lenart. Um, oh yeah, you're pumped about this guy. End, edge. I am pumped. I am pumped, especially with him in the three three five defense. Which how much we run in the three three five? How much it looks like a three three five? Probably depends on the personnel. Let's but go. This guy fits into multiple spots on that defense. So you move away from having the longer edge type players and you have more just explosive, really good athletes. And that's what this guy is. So at the best high school Academy in the country for football, IMG, he was the captain, he was playing a three tech defensive line, which is, you know, very undersized for, but he was just super explosive, commanded double teams, every play six, three, two fifty, probably a little bit smaller than that. He can play inside backer. He could play outside backer. He could play DN. He could play third down nose tackle pass rush specialist a lot of places for this guy to work in your, in your defensive front in a three, three, five, super excited about it. Um, four star across the board. One of the biggest recruits in the class could get uh, after national signing day. I think he is technically enrolled in classes. We'll see if he's there in the spring. Um, second one, which has drawn a lot of comparisons to cam Taylor Britt, hmm. the best, uh, best DB to come out of Nebraska the last five years. I think we can, Hell no yeah, shout that. out to Juice, dude. Uh, Ethan Nation, uh, three and a half. Some places have him as a four-star. Cornerback, uh, specifically. Um, really, really good in, in man coverage guy. Uh, 5'11", 165. The 165 has sort of scared a few people away. But just one of those guys that's like a, an insane athlete that Matt Rule thinks, you know, as raw as it gets, but... Um, a ton of potential there. His like his frame is fine. Like one six well, five eleven is is big enough for a corner, yeah. depending on what you want to do with him. Especially if you're going to use him as like a slot corner. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited. Two huge additions after oh, yeah. the initial signing day. I got it's really fine. distracted because I was looking at his twenty four seven profile. It said Ro- he's from Roswell. <laughs> I thought he was from Roswell, New Mexico. It's Roswell, Georgia. So probably more talented area, but Roswell, New Mexico would have been cooler. Uh, that would have been really cool. Yeah, Think both of the these guys. Out of that. Yeah, you got me pumped for these guys. Yeah. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I'm pumped for our defense. And I know the three three five is taking a little bit of a beating because TCU didn't play that well against Georgia. But we'll see. I mean, yeah, I mean that's like what scheme would Georgia have looked or TCU have looked good in? <laughs> Dude, if they had you, just covered, just, they should have just covered zero in every play. They might have had more success. Cover running cover zero. Like oh. you mean like man man blitzing? Like a like a seven man blitz? Dude, maybe eleven man zero. blitz. eleven man bits blitz might have worked better. Uh dude, at one point in that game they had scored forty two points on forty two plays. <laughs> They're averaging a point oh per play. Hey, Holy that was a good smokes. game for us to do our first watch along. Learned a lot about ourselves, yeah. I think. Yeah. Gotta be more prepared next My, time. I, Broke out the Forrest Gump impression. Yeah. Talked a lot about Forrest Gump. Played some video games. Uh, shotgun to Natty Light. 
all stuff. the good stuff. All right. Uh, we've been talking a lot of good news. Let's continue that trend. Uh, Scott, the Wicked Witch is officially gone. Kevin Warren is yeah. president and CEO of the Chicago Bears. The McCaskey family decided he did such a good job here trying to end football. Uh, pro- some other stuff, I guess. Uh, but he is gone. He is now in the NFC North with the Chicago Bears, presumably paying him an absolute ass load of money to leave. He's making a pretty penny here, I assume. Uh, obviously, big medical expert, Kevin Warren, uh, no longer with the Big Ten. So I guess congrats to him. Mostly congrats to us. Uh, getting him out is maybe the biggest success of our lifetime. You know, Kevin Warren just couldn't yeah. hack it without Scott Frost in here anymore, I guess. True. So he was definitely public enemy number one here for a while. I oh, want to yeah. push back a little bit because he did add USC and UCLA to the conference. I mean, yeah, I think a, a lot of people. Of still, of I think a lot of people pissed about that too. Inside of the Big Ten, are you pissed about it? I think it's a great move. For the no, team. I'm not pissed you're about adding, it, but you're, there you're is the biggest market in the country. USC and UCLA, biggest market. Yeah, Los Angeles. Yeah, mm. for college football, mm. for sure. That stadium is pretty empty. That stadium is pretty empty. Television. Television. We don't. Nebraska gets no money from from butts in the seats for USC and UCLA games. We get money from how many people watch USC and UCLA games. Sure. And there's no place in the country with more televisions than that Los Angeles market. And not only that, but you've kneecapped the Pac-12. That's true. Essentially making the Big Ten the biggest college football market on the West coast. That's the bigger thing. Yeah. So the big 10 now dominates, you know, shout out John Delaney, the the commissioner beforehand who really took over the, the Northeast mm-hmm. with the big 10 adding Rutgers in Maryland, which, you know, they not that those teams have added a ton on the field in any sport, maybe basketball. They have added oh, a bunch of basketball, home of college but, football, dude, Rutgers. Right, but the main addition is like now the Big Ten Network uh, yeah. is on every single TV in New York City. That's the big, and the biggest thing. Right. His biggest actual accomplishment is the TV media rights. The USC UCLA yeah. is you mm-hmm. know pretty big. I don't, I don't know. You're probably right. I don't know, but I have not thought of those teams as large market. I think they're notoriously made fun of because people don't watch them unless they're really, really, really good. I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. Right. But the people media rights the deal stadium, is huge. People, people watch USC and UCLA. And okay. not only that, but think about all these now matchups you would never get before unless it was a Rose Bowl, right? UCLA, Ohio State, USC, Michigan, mm-hmm. USC, Penn State. These are now happening every week. Yeah, it'll be really interesting, especially with Lincoln Riley coming over. Lincoln I mean, Riley not firing his defensive coordinator, also very interesting. Oh, interesting. I mean, yeah, the, Big Ten, the Big Ten's kicking the SEC's butt when it comes to media rights. Yes, that is true. So in the, in the world where college football looks like it's, you know, it is in upheaval, he's completely solidified the conference up there with the SEC. That is true. It is a power, too. But he still sucks, and I hate him forever. Uh, tried to kill football. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> What so, is he doing for the Bears? I don't. Yeah, understand. that's what I was going to say. We're not entirely sure like, what a president like, and CEO does. Huh? Because he's not the GM. No. They already have a GM. They have a coach. Yeah, Ryan Poles. Yeah, Bears also have $100 million in uh, cap space. They have the first overall pick. Give me a lot of choices. I think 
I don't know. This is one of those weird positions where he basically he could be whatever he wants. I think. I think he's probably going to well, get not, a lot of he's control. Not scouting guys. Maybe it's a Who type knows? of deal. I know they're trying to move stadiums. Yes. To Arlington Heights. Yeah. Um, they have the smallest stadium, Soldier Field, smallest stadium in the country. It's also terrible. For, for an NFL. For NFL. Yep. Also terrible. They lose a ton of money, the Bears organization does, by not playing in their own stadium. They rent that field from the city. Do they really? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so they definitely need some business help. So maybe he's coming in there to be business help. Um, how much are they paying taking, him? They have to be. How do they have the money to pay? Because I assume he was getting paid an insane amount by the Big Ten. Like they must be shilling out serious money to get him. Um, I would say mid seven figures. Yeah, he's, he's. I mean, right. He's taking over all. I bet he's taking over all business, non-football operations. And there's probably outside of like the Raiders, maybe a, a, no team that needed it more than the Bears. The Bears are one of the most cash-poor franchises. Yeah, Raiders different scenario. Obviously, not a, the richest owner in the league. Um, just built a new stadium that rakes in money. I would assume that. I mean, most expensive. Eh. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what's going on with the Raiders? Okay. All right, this is a uh, shorter episode for you, um, but we will continue the content. We're going to be doing some non-show-related stuff. It should be uh, pretty fun, pretty interesting. We have a lot planned for this offseason, so don't tune out. Uh, happy college football offseason. Still a ton to talk about. Uh, hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. We appreciate the hell out of you. Sirloin, Scotty, and I are going to say goodnight. Good night. See you, Joey Juices. <laughs>